0: All right, we're going to continue here in in our Roman study. We're in Chapter 4. Let's go ahead and and ask God's uh, blessings uh, on our study. Father, we thank you that no matter what the situation, even when we have these difficulties of technology, Father, we we have your word that we can study, and we're just so thankful for that. And so, Father, as we study these things, we know there'll be looking at some difficult situations, uh, things that can be... uh, Oh, sometimes hard to understand but also sometimes hard to accept and father i pray as always that the truth um, be what we teach here uh, not trying to conform your word to our position but trying to conform our positions to your word and so i just pray for this study this this time that we have prepare our hearts and our minds to receive your word as it is Lord to god and so we pray for our, our services to follow pray for those who are traveling amen Romans chapter 4 uh, we left off obviously in chapter 3 and so in chapter 3 Paul was teaching uh, uh, he, with him saying what he's later going to call my gospel. Paul left off teaching the, the uniqueness of, of his message. or talking about things that are unique and in, in the end of Romans chapter 3. Things that he's later going to call in scripture my gospel and so and as we get into chapter 4 here, we see some of the differences that um, were before. And, and it's important that we understand these distinctions. Uh, Paul just, again, made the point that his gospel, his message, does not violate the law. It establishes the law. You know, because the, the law was meant to prove a person's guilt. It was meant to stop their mouths. It was meant to show them that they needed God's righteousness and instead of using it in that sense, uh, the Jews had a tendency to make it their righteousness in, in a way in which it was not intended to be. You know, obviously that if they kept the law, then they could, uh, they could be right with God. God, was, God was, would look over their sins because of the death of those animals through the sacrifices and the following the law, but that was only because of them doing that by faith. By doing those works that they did in faith, God was able to uh, apply a righteousness to them. But if you're doing the works apart from faith, guess what? It wasn't going to do any good. And, and the Jews had lost sight of that. And Paul is getting ready to use two of the patriarchs from the Jews to prove his point. Those two patriarchs, well, one I guess you wouldn't say call a patriarch, but maybe. Uh, but the, the first one being Abraham, he's certainly a patriarch. And in the second one, he's going to use David. And it's no accident, obviously, that that Paul uses these two. We believe that one because Paul is moved by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's it's the Holy Spirit that drives Paul to use these two. But, But in a practical sense, he's going to use these two because Israel is built on the covenants that God made through these two individuals. And so, as we look at Romans chapter four, keep in mind we're only gonna. I, I had originally wanted to get through verse eight, uh, but without this this hiccup with the audio, it wasn't gonna happen. Um, it's just too much to go over. So we're gonna try to look at verses one through five. But then after after verse five, he's going to he's going to use David as well, which we'll talk about next week. But there's a reason why he's doing it, because of the covenant relationship that. God had with the nation of Israel. He's going to prove that, you know, just like he stated that it doesn't. His his teaching doesn't violate the law. He's getting ready to use David and Abraham to show that, because Abraham was justified by faith. And so, turn with me to Genesis chapter twelve. Let's look at Abraham and David just real quick. Genesis chapter twelve, verse one. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. So now the Lord had said unto Abram, note that it's Abram, not Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so here we see God making these promises to him. Flip on over to chapter 15. Here we see verse 1. Um, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, Abram, I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, it's not of me. It's from, you know, he came into my house. He wasn't born in my house. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Um, look at. Go back to Genesis chapter 13. I want to look at that too. Look at verses 14. 14 through 18, and the Lord said unto Abram, after that, uh, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. So that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land to the length of it and the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and there built an altar in the Lord. And so here we can see through these situations, God has promised through Abraham to to the nation of Israel, but through Abraham had promised them a land. There was a land promise that came with Abraham, And it was through this promise also that through Abraham, God was going to make a great nation. So keep that in mind. Abra- to Abraham, which went to, uh, would go into Israel, it was a promise of land uh, or a covenant of land. It was a covenant to make a great nation out of you. But then to David, this Davidic covenant, going up to Second Samuel chapter 7, Second Samuel Chapter seven. Look at verse sixteen. Here uh, um, this is refer this is talking to David, and look what it says And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. This is, this, is, this is a promise that God had made to David, that it was going to, that he was going to have a throne, that through him, his, from his loins, there was going to be a king that was going to reign forever. And so understanding that these two covenants, they, they have a, a major um, impact on the nation of Israel because obviously that's who it's going to be seen through. Look over the book of Psalms, Psalm 89. Verses 34 through 36. Here we can see a little bit more specifically with God his position on this. Psalm 89, verse 34, he says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever. Talking about on the throne. And his throne as the son before me. So you can see that, that David and Abraham, they represent both the land and the national promise of a nation. And David being the king and the everlasting kingdom covenant and promises. And so you can see this is why, why Paul would use the two of these. Because if Paul's message violated... Israel 's teaching you would find it in the principles that are here. it would violate it here with Abraham or with David is where you're going to find it um, but it doesn't uh, Matthew um, through John Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is a record of God the Father sending the Messiah to fulfill these very promises that 's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about is to 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 reveal that the the Father had sent the Son to fulfill these promises. And we know that. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 8. Romans 15, 8. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, comma, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers Jesus Christ was obviously sent to save sinners we know we, we have no doubt about that but whenever when, when you're Israel at that time that situation the reason why the Messiah came was to confirm those promises that God had made to Abraham that promises that God had made to David and all of the things that, that are involved in that that there was going to be someone from David's seed which tribe did David uh, did Jesus come from the tribe of David Right, so you know you're going to see um, that that's what Matthew through John represent. That's what they're talking about in the early Acts. Um, that is the record of Israel rejecting that king and rejecting that kingdom. That's what early Acts is telling us about. Is that Israel had been sent their king had been sent the the promise of the Messiah to even return. If you go back to what Peter says. Um, That that he will If you repent And if you get baptized That God will send Jesus back Why? For the kingdom That's what he says And so early Acts is detailing That uh, Israel had rejected And so Paul here Is even though he's using them Because of these covenant reasons He's not going to use them In the covenants Because but Paul is going to use David and Abraham he's going to show that they were justified by faith only even though Israel they had to be just, uh, justified with faith plus works instead of just works or just faith it was faith plus works cuz trust me if you were a Jew you couldn't just say eh, i'm not going to do the law i'm not going to do circumcision i'm not going to you know make any sacrifices God had specific instructions. You were to be cut off. (coughs) Excuse me. Felt that one coming. (laughs) And so, he's not going to use them within the covenants. He's going to show that Abraham was saved by faith, apart from covenants. Apart from any works. He's going to show that David, in essence, received justification, even though he was under the law. He's going to show that he, he, he was justified he was kept justified apart from works and as you as you as you pay attention to the story hopefully I have time to really drive home the point because the sin that he committed um, the things that he did he he himself acknowledges that there's no sacrifice that could be made for the wrong that I did pretty interesting there so he's going to use david and abraham to demonstrate the validity of his message that salvation by faith Alone, apart from any works, apart from covenants uh, or anything like that, is not a violation of God's principles at all. So that was the introduction. Chapter four, verse one. Let's read verses one through three. Romans four, one. What shall we say then? That Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found. What is Abraham found? Abraham concerning the flesh. I mean, the Jews especially love to talk about the flesh. Uh, They loved the idea of pointing out um, who they are as as it relates to their heritage. For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. For what say the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, obviously, the point that Paul's trying to drive home here, that it was counted to him for righteousness, was his faith. His faith was counted to him for righteousness. Abraham, again, the preeminent forefather of the nation, the one that the Jews always like to say, Abraham, our father. They wanted to associate themselves with him. He's going to show that Abraham is justified by faith without works. And he's going to say that if Abraham were justified by works, as he says here, then he would have reason to glory, but not to God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of what? the glory of God. So guess what? No flesh will glory before God. No one's going to be able to. And, and so we need 1 Corinthians, actually. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 29. It says, No flesh should glory in His presence. 1 Corinthians 1.29 makes it that says it as plain as day, that no flesh is going to glory in his presence. And so um, one of the things, and I, and I won't take you here, but I would write this down. Um, I had intended, but I'm going to try and cut a few corners here to try to make sure that we get through at least verse 5. Uh, remember, Abram, as, as much as you know, he should be um, applauded for the things that he did, remember he came out of idolatry. You go back to Joshua chapter 24, and guess what? You'll find out that he came from a father who, um, and and Joshua 24 talks about those on the other side of the flood. That flood that he's talking about isn't the flood of uh, of Noah. He's talking about the flood of, of coming across the Jordan River, that they came from a place, even Abraham came from a place of idolatry. And so he was likely an idolater. And then in verse 3, he says, for what sayeth the scriptures? Now, that's an important statement, and one that I want to take a little bit of time. Um, um, and it's a very important question. I don't care if it's something that I say. I don't care if it's something that some other pastor says. That should be a question that's foremost on your mind. What saith the scriptures? What does it say? Now, notice the question isn't here, what sayeth your father's? Or what saith your grandfather? Or what saith mom, it's what saith the scriptures Because the scriptures are the authority That is that steady and movable object that we go back to That we study things against Remember when Paul talks about the Bereans Those Jews in Berea that were more noble than the Jews in Thessalonica Why? Because they searched the scriptures to see if these things be so That's one of the reasons why we have this right here, is because God doesn't want us to be tossed to, tossed to and fro with any wind of doctrine He doesn't want us to be confused He's not the author of confusion He's given this to us to understand And so As you saw Jesus in his earthly ministry He would point people back to the scriptures um, And and uh, Paul and, 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 and not just the two of them All of the prophets, all of them, Peter All of them, what say at the scripture And so um, What's interesting about this word Scripture uh, the two books that use that word the most is Romans and the book of John. Now, we know that the book of John, or at least it's, it's you know, um, presented as, and I, I agree with it, that the book of John is presenting Christ as God. And so with that kind of a theme, you would expect John to, to remind people, hey, what does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? What does the scripture say? Well, here in the book of Romans, we see Paul doing the exact same thing. What do the scriptures say? And So Paul trying to prove his message is not counter to scripture reminds people about scripture. Scriptures, um, as we think of what say the scriptures, keep in mind that the scriptures testify not only um, about God, but they testify for God. This is his testimony. And that to me I think allows it to take on A level of what it should take take on You know we think of court transcripts And somebody comes, a witness comes and gives His testimony That's, that's supposed to be No, no ifs, ands, or buts That's the testimony So help me God, it's true Well that's what this is This is God's testimony And that's why we should look at it Look at uh, uh, Psalm 19 Psalm chapter 19 verse 7 psalm 19 verse 7 you guys have heard of obviously the ark of the covenant right what was the other name for the ark of the covenant Mercy would be the top of it, the Ark of the Testimony. That was the other name for it. The Ark, of, what's that? What did you say it was? The Ark of the Testimony. Nineteen, verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The law is often referred to as God's testimony, which it is. But keep in mind, uh, Moses um, writes you know genesis which obviously talks about events before the law was was involved and so all of this was god's testimony look at psalm 119 verse uh, 14 and it's interesting go back and look at this word testimony in the old testament and see how it's used by god uh, in relation to the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the law, all of these things, he routinely refers to his revelation, to, to the, the the revelation that's written down as his testimony. Look at Psalm 119, verse 14 here. It says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. And so keep in mind, again, I don't want to, I'll be able to labor the point here that, uh, again, knowing that the word of God is God's testimony, not even, not just for himself, but about himself. And what I mean by that is, is if, if what he says isn't true, what does that say about him? You see what I mean? It has to be true. He has to keep his word, which is why one of the reasons, the main thing that uh, Satan has tried to do from the beginning is try to prove God's word wrong. <laughs> and so... When Paul says here, for what at the scriptures, it's a very, very important thing for us to consider because it's a testimony about and for God. Which means if it's, if it's God's testimony and it's God's word, um, where should that be in order when you consider the scripture or your feelings? For the scripture and your feelings, um, instincts or your conscience or like I said any your feelings of, of anything like that well I can tell you right now it's it's obviously what the scripture says it should be a before even man's logic because I can tell you um, the things that God does oftentimes defies our logic it, it, it when we think about the, the things that he's done it defies logic. And so too often, man, they, they, they examine the word of God and they try to examine it and, and put it through the screen of their own thinking, their own feelings, you know, and, and, and we just can't do that. You're either going to believe this is God's word, God's word, therefore you take it as true, or you can try to say, well, I will determine if it meets my standard. Now, I don't want to be doing that. And, I, and I hope that, I hope you're wise enough that in your life, In your life on all issues, you're not trying to filter this through your understanding. Because sometimes there are things in here that are hard for us to understand and for us to to accept. And so Paul, when he says, what say the scripture? Remember, the, the challenges that you have today for accepting God's word, you think of your world, the things that we see today, the things that affect us, the hard things for us to accept scripture on. When Paul was challenging those of his day, those who had the mind Well, wait a minute, what do you mean God's going to Gentiles? What do you mean God doesn't require circumcision? What do you mean you don't have to be water baptized? What do you mean Israel is no longer the preeminent group? Now, those were huge challenging issues for them at the time. And Paul's point is, what's say scripture? scriptures? And now we need to apply that to ourselves whenever, anytime we want to try to filter the word of God through our understanding, the things that we think that should be important. Well, what say the scriptures? It says here that uh, this quote that he says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Well, what did he believe? Well, we started to read some of that. Go back to Genesis 15. We only read the first part of that. Genesis 15, start verse 1 again. We read through verse 3, but we'll, we'll pick up in verse 1 just to get everything again. Genesis 15, 1, After these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and stir steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. I think that's pretty interesting. He doesn't just say count the stars and tell me if you can number. He says tell the stars if you can number them. To me, I just think that's really neat. And he, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it. To him for righteousness. So, what did Abram believe? All right, come on. Yeah, he believed. He believed what God told him to told him, right? You know, people, and, and maybe some of you have, have, have. And I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. Some some churches are going to teach you that oh, in the Old Testament they looked forward to Christ's Christ's death on the cross. That he's that, that Abraham, David, and all all them they looked forward to the cross. No, they didn't. It was accounted to David for righteousness because he believed what God said. And God said that your heirs your, from you are going to be as the stars of the heaven. And because Abraham believed God, God says, ah, because of faith. God knew what Christ was going to do. Abraham didn't know what Christ was going to do. But because God knew, God could apply righteousness to Abraham because Abraham responded in faith. Okay, question. Yes, ma'am believed him because he believed that he was going to give him a seed and we know that from that seed is where Christ will eventually come and so not knowing Christ or not knowing what we know today essentially that belief was reflecting on believing in Christ without him even knowing it does that make sense well yeah that's that's kind of what I was just trying to say so if, if, if If I didn't, you probably just explained it much better. When I was reading something scripture, when you were talking, right. And so, yeah, Paul, or I'm sorry, Abraham didn't believe in the future Messiah here. That hadn't been revealed yet. What he believed in is what God told him to have faith in. Abraham, Eleazar is not going to be your heir. Look up, count. Your heirs are going to be as many as the stars. And Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So that was by what? Was it, was it works? It was by faith. It was by faith and it was by faith only. The other thing that I want to point out here is if you're using a King James, uh, which is what I use and which, which is what I prefer, it says believed in the Lord. Okay. Now, this is one of the things about why you have to study Scripture because Paul, the Holy Spirit, tells us that it wasn't necessarily believing in the Lord as, as we would use it today. It certainly fits the way the King James uses it. But we think of, you know, the idea of how James talks about even, even the devils believe in God, right? So it's not that he believed, oh, wow, there is a God. It's not that Abram just said, oh, wow, I believe in God. No, it's I, he believed in what God said. And we know that from Romans 4, verse 3, because notice what it says. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, not just believed in God. See, which one is going to have saving faith today? Believing in God or believing God? Believing God? You better believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. You can believe in God all you want. You may believe God's in the trees and in the air or the wind. You might even believe God's in the heaven. You, you might be a Muslim. You might be in, in all, kinds, all kinds of religions. But you better have faith in what God says you better have faith in. So you better believe God. And Abram did that. And that's why it expresses he believed in him. You know, we use that expression today with ourselves. But make sure you understand <clears throat> it's not enough just to believe in God. You've got to believe God. And God has said all have come short of his glory. And that there's only way for for righteousness. And just like Abram, in order to get righteousness, had to believe God about about um, him having children. Guess what? We have to believe today. In order for us to get righteousness, it's not going to be enough. Well, one day I'll have children. That, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? No, you got to believe in what God has said. And then I think the context, again, both places, uh, make that make that sure. Uh, the other thing that's interesting here, I don't know if you ever thought about this, when you look at Genesis fifteen, did you notice that it never even says that God told Abram that it was counted to him for righteousness? We kind of just assume that. Maybe he did. You know. Tim Tim and I were talking, you know, I always talk about the idea of questions I have when I when I get to heaven, and we were talking and I told him maybe that'd be the book I'll write. That would be one of those questions abram genesis fifteen six. did god tell you he counted it for righteousness because we don't it doesn't say that it doesn't say that but we do know that god counted it for righteousness and we'll talk more about that word here in a minute but i got to move on The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, "In thee shall all nations be blessed." Well, from that there, it tells what uh, what was said. But as far as you know, him knowing that he he was righteous, uh, that's what I'm referring to. So yeah, and I'm just saying foreseeing versus foretelling. Meaning it says he didn't tell. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a cool conversation. I don't know that we can um, determine anything from it, at least what we're talking about. We can't determine if if, you know, if Abraham knew he was justified, uh, declared righteous as a result of that. Back to Romans chapter 4. Let's look at verses 4 through 5. Romans 4, verse 4. Not to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. And so the idea, here, obviously, that is, is if you work it, work for it, then, then you're owed it. Right? Now, does anybody think that God owes anybody righteousness? Well, Paul just got done talking about that. You know, so if, if you are able to... Um, well, I guess one way to put it is Christ came and he fulfilled everything perfectly, right? So he was owed. Christ was owed life. He, he, he was owed righteousness. He, he was righteous. Nobody else has ever done it perfectly. Nobody else is ever going to be owed it. Now, keep in mind that, again, Israel was saved with works, not by works. With works, it was by faith with works yeah, you, they, they couldn't have just faith and not do any works we talked about that and they couldn't just have have the works and not have the faith they had to have the faith too and so you would, ex, you would expect that, or you would hope that the reason why they did the things that they did was because of faith although many of them didn't look at Ephesians chapter 2 talking about this debt. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 It says for by grace Are you saved Through faith And that not of yourselves It's a gift of God not of works Lest any man should boast And so um, if there's any Verse um, That should prove That no works are needed Or even allowed That's the one and so there are many churches out there, that, again, that teach sacraments. There are many churches out there that teach a works-based system. And I'm talking about those even a Christian um, a Christian belief or foundation. Um, that's why you should avoid that stuff. And then there's obviously other religions that aren't Christian at all, and they teach a works-based system altogether. It, whenever you look at that scripture, as we understand Ephesians 2, 8, 9, to t- t- tell us um, that there are no works... Um, Allowed whatsoever for our justification. It's not going to be accepted. Back here in Romans four, we see this counted. We saw it twice actually, if you noticed. And we also see in verse four, not to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned. That's the same word as counted. That we also see counted for righteousness. I guess it's a southern <laughs> slang on the word counted here. It was reckoned. It was counted. It was, and the other word that you would see is imputed. The doctrine of imputation. Christ's righteousness was imputed unto me, and my sins were imputed unto him. And so know that uh, we see that down, drop down in verse four, chapter four to verse 22. Four twenty-two, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. And 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 I would tell you that um, again, we don't have time to go there. But if you go to Philemon, um, what chapter? All right, chapter one, because there's only one (coughs) chapter. Verse eighteen, Paul uses. We can use this as an illustration. Paul is talking about someone he got to know in Rome named Onesimus he's writing a letter to Philemon and he says that if Onesimus owes you anything you can put that on my account you can impute that to me well that's what righteousness has to do with is is that our sins were imputed onto Christ and Christ's righteousness were imputed onto us and so um, keep that in mind back here to Romans though Um, and like I said before even though here this is talking about uh, uh, works um, 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 not being required as I've already said multiple times uh, works were required at one time weren't they does anybody have any questions or doubts about that because I can again I can tell you the scripture is very very clear That if you didn't do something, the Jews, if you didn't go get circumcised, if you didn't abstain from certain things, if you didn't follow the laws, you weren't going to get any righteousness. You weren't going to get salvation. You had to do. So it was faith plus works. And so, again, Paul here, even though he's talking about um, in the past it was by faith, um, ultimately, what you need to understand is it's no longer of works. And Paul says as much as that. Look at chapter 11. It'll, it'll be required then later also. It will be required again. Look at Romans 11, verse 6. Because it's not just my words, it's not just my interpretation. Paul says it himself. Romans 11, verse 6. And if by grace, then it is what? No more of works. What does "no more of works" mean? It means no it longer means of work. Used to be. Yes. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And so, this is this is what Paul is saying. He's using two examples. He's using two examples of of of, of Israel's past to show Abraham was justified by faith only. He's going to use David. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not going to have time to get into um, what some people see as a major contradiction in Scripture. And, and I'll just tease next week because this is what we'll talk about. is um, Paul, Paul says that, that Abraham was saved uh, by faith without works. What does James say? He saved with works. So James says he was saved with works. Now, a lot of churches are going to tell you, well, that's not what it means. But what did, we just got done stressing a minute ago what saith the scriptures not what is our church tradition what saith the scriptures let's go to James real quick and then but well, we'll talk about it next week when we got more time to give it its due turn to James chapter 2 verse 21 James 2 verse 21 now just again as you turn in there what does the word justified mean Sorry, made right, declared righteous. James 2.21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works, comma, when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? You mean he did something? He didn't just say, well, we'll just pretend I did it. I have faith that I probably should have done it, but no. He did it. Verse 22, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made Perfect, the word there is complete. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now, a lot of churches are going to try to explain this away. They're going to change the text, they're going to change the meaning. But guess what? You don't have to do that. And I'm and I want you to understand, James is talking about salvation. Talking about justification before God, not justification before man. Look up at verse 14. What does it profit my brethren? though a man say he has faith and have not works can faith save him? Yes yes faith alone without works can save him. guess what today faith alone apart from works does save. Him. now that's not what James's message was about but that doesn't mean James was wrong. Um, and we'll talk more about that next week. But, but you have to understand, we have to let God's word be true and every man a liar. God's word is true. And anyone who wants to change it into something else because they don't understand that James... I'm going to tease a little bit. Go back to James. <laughs> Just for your understanding. I don't want you going home saying, wait, well, that don't make any sense. Paul is writing to the body of Christ. James isn't. Look at James chapter 1, verse 1. And I guess my question is, is which tribe are you? James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. There's a reason why James says what he says, because he's not writing to you. He's writing to Israel. And guess what Paul says? There is no more Israel. And so we don't have to change James's words. We can let the scriptures be true and understand that there was a time when it was faith plus works. Right now there is just faith. In the future, it will be faith plus works again. And it was originally with Abraham just faith. So, But we'll talk a little bit more about that um, uh, next week. Any questions? I hope you understand that because that, that's really important because we, we have to make sure we don't change the word of God. And, and this is one of the reasons... That how this is one of the reasons in which we need to make sure that we understand, to understand the Scriptures uh, rightly divide. All right?